You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Golf Under Par Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy McCullough. We are on a journey to find the information that's going to help you play the best golf of your life. Join us now as we dive in. Welcome, everybody, to the Golf Under Par Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jeremy McCullough, here with Trillium Rose. She is a she has a master's in motor learning and control from Columbia. She's a golf pro and director of instruction at Woodmont Country Club that's in the DC area in Maryland and she uh, you can find a lot of her her information and resources at trilliumrose.com and yeah so thank you so much Trillium for being on here and welcome to the show yeah thanks Jeremy thanks for having me I always ask everybody uh, what kind of got you started in and um, or got you interested in golf I'm probably <laughs> me and like 5 million other golfers, I got into it because um, I had a parent into it. Both, both my parents played golf. Uh, my dad most enthusiastically. So that was sort of a natural progression. When he went, I went. So, you know, it was fun. I, I, he was a good teacher. He made it really fun. And um, so I ended up playing in some tournaments, some local tournaments. And then, then, I, then I, you know, then I kind of caught on. When I, when I got into college, or sorry, high school, I didn't have a team really to play on. So I figured, you know, I, I can play golf when I retire because I already play. I'll just play another sport. So I picked up lacrosse and then played for um, played lacrosse for four years in high school, played and then went to college, played lacrosse in college. And I played golf, but, you know, as a summer sport. And um, it wasn't until after college that I had uh, kind of, meandered back into it accidentally and then um sort of got a got a initial job in the business not thinking it would be a permanent thing and it ended up being permanent and I you know I kind of I really fell in love with the craft of teaching and um and kind of getting people better I just really I I still love it I still love doing it so that's that's how I got into it cool I always ask when I get um athletes from a different sports, particularly rotational sports, how do you feel like that's influenced your, your golf game, you know, being a lacrosse player? And for sure. hundred percent it's influenced me because there are so many different movements that you need to learn from, for the first time. And when you're, you know, when you bring other, when you bring other biases into it, like if you can throw a ball when you're younger, it's such a helpful movement pattern to have for lots of other sports including golf. Um, and that's not to say that you can't play if you've never played any other sports. I, I mean, I have a handful of great, great golfers that really didn't grow up either playing any sports or even being encouraged to play sports, you know, pre title nine, um, was a, a kind of a different era. Like our, our, like our parents had a very different upbringing, especially the females than the men. Um, but I think, you know, I think back to being a multi multi-sport athlete, you know, there, there are lots of different things that are outside of the actual skill 
that really set the foundation for sports such as um, strength, um, visualization, balance, coordination, um, reaction time, your ability to react, react to, you know, a variety of situations that are either stressful or, um, or not, or like really positive, you know, so there's so, so much of that that I think, um, can be really, really helpful for golf. And, um, I like it when my, my young juniors play other sports, I'd like to see kids have fun becoming athletes, throwing, catching, running, skipping, jumping, um, you know, kind of getting all that stuff out and, and working on their bodies and their, their strength um, before really deciding that they want to focus in on one thing, whether it's golf or otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. That's very similar recommendation. I get a lot of people, you know, there's so much crossover between all these things, you know, even if it's just from a simple coordination or a, uh, you know, programming type type thing, but I'm sure you with your master's in uh, motor control and learning, you've kind of learned a lot all, all about that. How does, uh, just real fast, how does that kind of uh, tie into to what you do now as teaching people how to, how to play golf? This is a big question. I'm glad I have lots of time. <laughs> uh, I think my first initial, I, I get this question a lot. I think the, the most, um, the easiest, quickest answer is, is that there are no silver bullets in the research on, on learning. Although there are, there's a, a resounding amount of evidence that certain techniques are good and certain techniques are not good. And so for me, I think I was pretty interested in, in kind of crossing out um, or deleting from my, you know, my lexicon or my my repertoire, my skill set as a coach, deleting some things that were just, um, you know, factually untrue. Um, like for instance, you know, here's one. I just have to sit here and repeat it on the range over and over until I get it grooved. Um, I mean, I think that statement, I think it makes sense because it's comfortable. Like it, it's okay. I, I just need to sit here and do the same swing on the range until I know exactly what it feels like. Okay. I think, I think for some, you know, in some instances, yeah, if someone's never really practiced a particular change, yes, they need to do it a lot. You need to practice a lot, but the quality of the repetition that you're making can either accelerate your learning or it can, it cannot. it could just plateau your learning. And by learning, I'm, I'm really saying a, a neurological change, like a neurological change in your brain that's, that, that is, think of it as a muscle, you're strengthening a muscle. Um, you could sit on a, you know, a treadmill and have it at zero and walk, or you can have it on an incline. You know, you can have the bike set to no resistance, or you could have some resistance. Like those are two very different experiences that are going to do different things physiologically to one's body. And so the same type of setup is what you'd want to do when you're working on your golf. Um, and so, okay, I'm glad you're on a bike and I'm glad you're moving your feet, you know, your feet around, but, you know, let's increase the resistance. Let's like make the most out of this. And, um, you know, I love efficiency. I love doing a lot in a little bit of the time. So like, why not? So I think in that, in that respect there, I would call it like a, a little silver bullet. Okay. You got to make it hard. You have to make it hard and you have to, you have to be working for it. 
Okay, so we, we come to like another point in the decision tree here. So if the, if the choice is to make it hard or not, well what, well, what if it is hard already for someone to do it? Like, what if I'm teaching somebody who's never felt a backswing where they're, you know, where their arms like don't go past it. Like maybe someone, for instance, collapses way back here and, and I'm teaching them to feel a little more extension, like a little less arm runoff, just as one of a million examples. Well, yeah, they need to, they need to kind of do it a lot until it comes grooved. Okay. But you're going to need some good feedback to figure out whether you're doing it. Whether, then that feedback, feedback could be coming from, um, you know, looking at a mirror, you know, they act kind of external feedback someone's getting from, from what they own, they see. Uh, it could be feedback why you, you, you put a pool noodle or something to prevent their arms, or, or it could be something that they have to feel within themselves. And ultimately, you know, the feedback that the mechanism inside where you say, yeah, okay, I feel the difference between the good one and the bad one. That's what we're trying to change with practice. You have to be able to feel what you're doing and make and really feel that and know that. So I think, you know, we could kind of unpack lots of stuff um, in terms of how people get better faster. Yeah, unpack, you know, unpack kind of what, what this, what the research might point to and, and unpack what, um, what's, what someone's personal experiences might've been like, because that plays a big role in, in kind of the environment that they need to set up for themselves to have some progress and, and accelerate learning. Um, and yeah. And, and then kind of look at the skill itself, you know, ultimately look at this skill kind of objectively and say, what, what exactly are we trying to do here? And, um, how are we going to get there? Like how, how sophisticated is this, is this change? for somebody? Are they capable of it? Is this a one piece thing? Or is this like a year long thing? Is this a, you know, so it's like, there's so many different factors and variables that kind of go into, um, go into learning that I, that I kind of shy away from saying, Hey, this is like a blanket best practice. You need to do 750 repetitions and it's going to become a pattern. Not really. Is it a lot? Yeah. The science is we have to practice a lot, but how do you practice? What do you practice? What's the situation? And you really need that to be tailored. Um, So I think, I mean, I think back to your original question, I think I I definitely lean on, um, you know, my own almost 20 years of teaching a lot, like just seeing so many things like happen that are, they've seen so many patterns myself and seen so many different situations that are, that, that bring, um, that bring, you know, they bring information. It's like, okay, I kind of, I kind of know where this could head. I, we see this before. I know what, what can happen before. Um, but at the same time, I really like to lay that against the backdrop of, of, um, you know, peer reviewed journal, you know, journal articles and, and research um, kind of as my, as my base, you know, as my base to, to kind of go with. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's that whole, line of uh was 10,000 hours right you know but how is it's not on the 10,000th time that you do it that you become the expert it's all that work hard work that you were talking about that led up to that kind of thing that really got you to become that expert um no matter in what, what yeah. kind of thing you do you know you start recognizing yeah, the patterns yeah. that you mentioned or whether it's hey you're getting that feel and the golf swing that kinds of things right totally and I think we you know we love we love the idea that there's a quick formula and even, you know, Dr. Erickson, Anders Erickson, who was the kind of, you know, maybe made popular the 10,000 hour concept. I mean, even he was, was not so, um, 
pleased with Malcolm Gladwell's book on that because it just, it kind of suggested, it suggested that there was this sort of sexy, easy answer. And it really was not the time. It wasn't the time. And in fact, there are people that had been, um, that had been very, very successful in particular domains that under 10,000 hours. Uh, but, but I think, yes, your, your point's right. It's, it's, it's what you do in, in the 10,000 hours. Okay. I think it's a good segue. So we're talking about, you know, this practice and, and how it's what we do and how, how we, um, you know, challenge ourselves with, with that feedback you were mentioning. So the curious majority of, of the United States is kind of transitioning into, into colder weather. And, uh, and so not as easily to get out and hit balls uh, or, or to really kind of practice. So what, what can we do to kind of improve ball striking in particular uh, during this time? In the off season, if you, if you are lucky enough to have a place where you can swing a club inside or at least in a place that's heated, you will get better. You will, because you will get better. Um, it, you just won't get so rusty. So I see a lot of people without that, that option, um, you know, and they, they, they just don't do anything golf wise. And then the spring comes around and it's, it, it's, you know, it's like starting a car that's been off for, you know, in a garage for, for three months. It's like, okay, it might start, it might start, but um, how is it going to go? So I do think that whether you're not, if you're not playing golf, you want to keep your body move moving and you want to keep it strong and you want to keep the golf muscle strong. So I think like best case scenario is you've got someone to help you figure out what muscles on those need to work for you. Everyone's a little different and you, you kind of stay on a program. That's best case scenario, get strong, get flexible and um, you know, get yourself ready. Number one. Um, now two, if you're going to add a golf club, there are lots of different things you can do that are not, full swing too. And, um, so like right off the bat, go get a bunch of foam golf balls on Amazon or, um, us kids sell some, this bag of little foam golf balls in a, in a cute little bag. They're great. So golf balls have come a long way. Um, if you have a bigger space and you've got walls you don't care about, or you think you have the skill where you can hit real golf balls, like onto the couch, go for it. Um, but you know, beware, <laughs> you could knock a hole into your drywall and that's a little bit uh, hard to, hard to fix. Um, there are a bunch of chipping nets. There's a bunch of things you can do. You can hit it just onto a chair. Um, you know, the video of Rory into the, into the dryer. I love it. Hitting yeah. shots into his dryer. Um, and I, I do a whole number of, of movements that are golf specific that, that don't even involve a hit, but just involve the movement itself. Like you could look at early, early extensions, for example, you tend to move out of your posture. Well, you know, it's not like, it's not usually the head's fault. Everyone's like, I mean, you're lifting your head. It's usually more like your, your pelvis or it could be somewhere, you know, in your, in your um, upper torso that's, or your shoulder that's lifting up. So that, you know, off season is kind of a time where you can be aware of things like that. Um, and funny, you should say this, I'm working on a, um, another video series. I have one video series called the first step. It's basically like an at home video um, lesson plan for people that are learning golf and gets people going on the right track. It's 20 videos. Every video is less than 10 minutes. Um, but I kind of put it together in this compilation, kind of walk you through stuff. Um, it's very, it's very much for someone that's kind of onboarding for the first time or someone that's played golf maybe 10 years ago and then they had kids and they stopped, they want to kind of get back into it, that kind of thing. Um, 
But then my next, my next um, program is just exactly what we're talking about. Very, not necessarily the exercises, because that's not my domain, but um, more like the skills, the, like the golf skills with the club. And then, um, and I kind of break it down to, to little movements that are isolated. I have some videos on my, on my Instagram. If you're on um, Instagram and all, you can check some of these out, kind of do these little, I call them bite size, you know, one minute, one minute, like 30 second things where you just get like one little piece. Um, Instagram's great. It's, it's got, it's, you know, it's got its upside and downside. I'd say the upside is you get a bunch of free information. Um, the downside is you kind of get what you pay for. Um, but it's also all over the place. Like, you know, it's all over the place. It's, there's no system to figuring out you know, what you need, you have to sit there and scroll and hope that, you know, I put the titles on there, you know, I try to, but I don't always. Um, So, you know, I think, I think if you can pick it, if you can find, if you know what you need to do, like, let's say you have a hard time making short chip shots. Like, let's say, and I have a student who does this. I I know exactly what, um, you know, what her situation is. It's like, she really can't feel when she's making the swing that's so big, like 20 yard shots are really hard for her. Um, she bombs it off the tee. She hits amazing like approach shots. And then when it just gets small, she has just a really hard time. So, you know, so the program that we built was all around just that. And you could literally do it inside. You could literally do it inside. So I don't know. I think I, is that, I think that's a great thing for everybody. I mean, wouldn't everybody be good at 30 yards and in? you know? Yeah. So you can do that. You could literally do the stuff of that stuff inside. Um, like one thing you could do is center contact. So as an example, how many times have you bladed a chip shot? Like everybody's raising their hand because blading, it just happens that blading is when the, the club does not make interaction with the grass. So the club's like a little bit higher than the grass. And then the ball just goes screaming about 10 inches high and flies right over the green into the bunker on the other side. <laughs> um, yeah, no problem. So a lot of times that's either tension, you're like you're holding on too much or you're just not letting that club fall to the ground or you're going too fast or you're pulling up, pulling in. Like there's always like a little something. So that's a great one. I mean, if you have nothing to do, um, if you have nothing, like I should say, you don't know what to do, that's a perfect one. Oh, very good, so. yeah brings back memory of when I was in high school, I played golf in high school and uh, we were in our county championship and it's one hole, hole number nine actually. And, and played it over the green three, maybe, maybe four times. <laughs> so, oh, sorry. It's it probably one of my best rounds of the, of the year too, going until that point. But <laughs> anyways, so. Um, yeah. we've all, better- I mean, we've all played Yep. Yep. I, I'm still playing these days. So I didn't, it didn't completely dissuade me from, uh, from continue playing, <laughs> but, uh, all right. So yeah. you, you kind of led into this, you know, getting that 20 to 30 yards in being really good with that. That's something that we can, you know, more easily practice indoors or even, um, you know, with less space. So I'd love to kind of just talk a little bit more about that. You know, where do we get that feeling of our distance control, I guess is really what I'm going for. I think you cut out on my end a little bit. So I think what you said is, do you want to talk about distance control? Yeah. So more about the, uh, the short game and kind of getting that distance control. Where do we get that feel? You're talking about the, your prefer your 
one person where, you know, they have that hard time of figuring out you got any, what kind of tips or things can, can people be working on during this time to kind of improve that there? Yeah. 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 So I like, I like two dials, like two little control dials. If you think about it, if you had two control dials in your game and one dial would be the speed of the swing that you're making and another dial will be the size of the swing that you're making. So if you start, let's just start by adjusting one and leaving the other the same. Like, let's just say you adjust um, th- just the size. So you're not, you're, you're not going to try to go faster or slower. You're just going to, you're just going to make like a bigger swing or a small swing. So when you're going really, really small, you start, if we're starting just, we're going to go the absolute simplest way we can I call this, I'm thinking of a taxonomy. It's like, like, like a, a very systematic um, stepping stone system. So we're going to, we're going to go simple to complex, simple to complex, um, easy to hard, basically. So I'd say, let's start by not hinging the wrist. You say, okay, we're going to do just a s- simple shot. We're going to keep the elbows really straight, the wrist straight, maybe put your weight on the front foot and just rotate the torso. And say, okay, well, let's do this in a small way. We're going to just make the hands go from like your leg to your leg. So hands, clubs, the club's not going to go anywhere because you're not going to hinge. So we'll say, okay, the small swing, we'll say it's just, just around our thighs. And then we could say, all right, well, if, we're, if we, we can hit some balls, let's see what the balls do. We'll get, a, we'll get a sense of what that is. What does that look like? And oh, by the way, that if that works and you feel like you can do it well, and let's say you have a sand wedge in your hand, whew, okay, so that's a shot. So there's a shot. You just you just learned a shot. Now you could do it with the you could do it with a nine iron. Now do it with the nine iron. What does that ball do? There's a shot. Okay, cool. So now you have two shots. Okay, so now let's add. Let's go back to the sand wedge and let's add some length. S- still the same tempo. Now you're going to say, okay, we're going to do the same thing. No wrist, weights on the front foot, balls middle, just to keep things simple. Now bring the hands back a little bit farther, maybe the hip height, hip height to hip height, and then see what the ball does. And then do that with the nine iron, see what the ball does. There's just four shots right there. I mean, if you just did those four shots, that pop probably be pretty good as a base. You know, if like, if you, if you if you feel like your short game is not so good, start with that, see what happens. I mean, there are so many different variations. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't disagree with Phil Mickelson on ball position, but I, I remember he kind of publicly was like, look, it's all about ball position. Back. I never play in the middle, you know, forward, back. What are you trying to do? Okay. This is coming from also like, a, like an unbelievable magician. Yeah. So, so I find that for, for mere mortals who are playing, not tour players, start with the ball middle and then, and then use that as your baseline Maybe move it one ball back, one ball forward. But if you start really going super forward, super back, it's pretty hard to bottom out, you know, in such an awkward spot, either back or forward. And you start changing the club, you know, the dynamics of the club as it's coming in a lot. And so you start doing that. Now we've got another dial. You're changing, you know, you're changing the loft. You're changing the attacking. You're changing the swing direction. You're, cha- you're changing all these other things. Why don't you just keep, keep all this stuff the same, and just make little changes and keep, and just gradually start to to make some adjustments. That's, I mean, that's the way I, I, it's my, my personality too, is just sort of very formulaic and organized and yeah. um, 
you know, like, let's just make some sense of it. Let's get grounded here. And then we can start to just get jazzy. Um, and I think that when you have a plan in your head, you have, you know, you've got a, like a framework in your head of what to expect. Then that takes anxiety down. It takes kind of the guesswork down. Um, and then your confidence is up and then your mental game is stronger. So I don't know, I think it's, it just makes sense to me. You know, we want to get into, I mean, that's basic. We want to get into to more advanced concepts. Sure. We, then we can start to, to, you know, get with speed or get with, um, get with speed. You to go a little bit faster, a little bit slower. You want to start opening up the face. You want to start hinging the wrists. You want to start, you know, you know, adjusting the, the ball position, um, we can do all that, but I think you have to have a really good um, foundation for it. And that's, that's kind of a way I like to look at um, getting people started with distance control. Yeah. I think that makes sense. You know, I like your, uh, it almost makes you think of like a research where you're, okay, we're only going to manipulate one, one variable at a time and, and see, see the results of that before we kind of, okay, now we adjust accordingly to what, what works for, for us. Um, so that makes sense to me, at least. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's a more of a research background or, or whatnot. But so the other thing I think, you know, is during the during this time and is the evil three putt. OK, something that, uh, you know, how can we work on maybe lag putting during during this time? You know, there's a lot of a lot of different tools out there, but um, whether you want to promote one or whatnot, but. What can, what can we do to, to, to kind of get, get that, whether it's distance control, not distance control, um, speed or, or yeah. the, the line. Thank you. Oh. Yeah, no, this is probably everybody needs this. <laughs> everybody, if you're, if you're not three putting at least, you know, once every two rounds, um, but let me put it a different way. Um, if you go without three putting, you are a good putter. Yeah. So I should say three putting that happens because it's hard. Putting's hard, especially if you're on greens that are, um, that are, that are undulated or you're not hitting it close to the, you know, you're not hitting it close. Like even if your approach shots are 25 feet, that's, you know, statistically that's pretty tricky to get it that far. All right. So let's go back to what you can do inside. Can we do that? Yeah, that's perfect. Um, and I, and I say this, not that I wouldn't want you working on it on a green, you know, if you're in Florida right now and you have a green, great, but um, you don't have to, because I think there's a couple of things you could do inside that can get you really started. So the first is to, um, now I, I got this from, by the way, I should give, give my plug to Mari Stilmalter, who had spent um, years developing the Sampot Lab with Christian Marquardt and they were in Europe and they were collecting data and looking at thousands of putts and they uh, were interested in just seeing some common denominators and seeing what people did and ultimately there were a bunch of interesting common denominators one of which was players tend to have the same tempo it's you know like individual to them so Jeremy you would have a tempo I would have a tempo you know Sally and Sam would have their own tempo Um, so tempo meaning like tick tock you know back through so some people may be like tick tock and some people maybe tick tock. And so the best, the best players, the, meaning the people who play professionally tended to have a consistent tempo, no matter what the length, eight feet, 12 feet, 15 feet, 30 feet. 
So let's use a, um, let's use a clock, like a, a second hand on a clock. So we could say 60 beats a second. That's easy. That's the second hand. Dunk, dunk. So most, most players are a little bit faster than that. But let's say on your metronome, let's say I'm 65 and beats per second. Let's say, okay, I'm going to then make a few, I'm going to make a few putts. And I think having a metronome is probably a really good idea at, at the house, but I'm going to make a, I make a few putts, whether it's anywhere um, to, to a target or not it could be to the, you know, to the baseboard on the other side of the living room. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to work on my tempo, that consistent tempo. So what I'm saying is for people who want to work on their distance control that don't want to three putt, get your tempo down, get your tempo down, understand your tempo, figure out if you're going to go, if you have a tendency to go slower or faster, because that's not good. You know, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a longer putt. Oh, I'm going to go fast. Don't do that. So what do you do? Okay. So the adjustment that you would make is the length of your stroke, the length of your stroke. So how are we going to decide the length of the stroke? Okay. How about this? Use your feet. So I'm going to use my hands. So let's say that's right foot, left foot. So you could use your feet as you're standing there and say, okay, I'm going to bring the putter back just outside this foot and finish just outside that foot. I'm talking about the blade of the putter. So we've got a mallet. It looks kind of funny. The blade goes all the way up to my back foot, all the way to my front foot. So you could say, all right, I'm going to just going to go either out, outside to outside. I call that kind of a standard, you know, baseline, baseline length stroke. Take a bunch of golf balls, find a flat line, hit a pile of putts. Just with that length stroke at your 65 beats um, um, a minute. And I, I don't really think 65. I just think TikTok. I think TikTok. I kind of know, I kind of know it because I've done it and I've thought about it so much. You can too. It's so easy. And so then from there, okay, then start to say, well, where did my golf balls cluster? Now I know from, from me doing this about a thousand times, if I walk four paces and I have, I feel like kind of a long gate, I kind of kind of have a yard down for one, two, three, four, I have four paces is pretty much what I expect from my outside to outside length. Four paces on a flat lie on a, like a, probably at nine on the stint meter green. Okay, fine. So if I go to a green that's a lot faster, I can I can anticipate what's going to happen. I know my outside to outside leg stroke on a flat lie is probably going to be more like five paces, maybe six. Or if I'm hitting to a downhill, so you see. So now I have a starting point for distance control, and I think that is a great way for people to put it together that, um, you know, that, that have been befuddled by this concept of trying to get, get it far. And so if we get to a long, let's say 30 foot putt or the 50 foot putt, the long ones, you have to make a pretty long stroke. And I will, I will put a big asterisk on this. If your tempo is slow, you're going to need a really big stroke. So I just, I just do suggest that you don't have a tempo that's so slow that when you get to long putts, you have, you have to like bring a backswing up to your hip. Right. <laughs> um, so anyway, so that's, that's kind of my starting point for people on distance control. It's basically, you know, recap in here, it's get a hold of your tempo and then, and then get some awareness of how big of a stroke that you're making. Awesome. And so then getting that down, obviously you can do that anywhere and everywhere. Um, 
and, and improving just that ability to, to control that. So then with that, where, I think I, I want to ask that question. Um, I guess more, more along the lines than I guess would be with the improving putter face angle, I guess is the word where I'm getting at. Yeah. Face angle is a big, is a big deal with putting, particularly as we get inside 10 feet. Um, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter on the long ones, but I, I think the priority on the long one should be, you know, your distance control, getting it, getting it the right speed. But as you get inside 10, you're really trying to make it, you're absolutely trying to dial that thing in. And if, the, and if your face is moving um, offline from where you intend for it to start, you're not going to make the putt. You just won't. It has so much, it has so much influence on how that ball travels. So, you know, I look then what has a big influence on, on face control, the hands, right? Our hands have so much dexterity. We've got 26 muscles, ligaments, and tendons from the elbow down each hand. That's 52. Yeah. 52. That's 52 ways to screw things up basically. <laughs> 52, you know, variables. So I, I think if you can just like, if everybody is sitting in a chair, if you just sit up straight and so your, your lower body is totally braced, your, your glutes are probably not engaged. Everything's turned off, but then engage your, your abdominals and rotate to the right and left. So that feeling of rotation, I don't have to use my hands. So I can actually, I can, I can get some, yeah, I can get some rotation going without even using the hands. So if you can, if you can tap into that feeling, you can, you can do this. You can totally do this. And I love the idea that your hands are kind of quiet and soft put big mittens on or put wrap like a scarf around it and then put your hands on the scarf. So you can't, you can't manipulate. So, so your hands are holding the putter. So for instance, if I took a, like, if I took a, this is my, you know, putter of this pen and I just wrap the scarf around it. So then you really, you can't, this is what the kind of those big, big, big grips are for to get your hands a little bit out of it. But I think as a training aid, that's a great way to do it or put some heavy winter gloves on. And then, and then tap into another way, basically recruit another um, power source other than, you know, your hands. All right. So one last question before we're going to get into our quick wrap up questions. Cause I know we've got only got a few more minutes left before I promise to get you out of here to get your daughter and everybody wants more distance. So we got to talk distance and what particularly I'd be interested in if you got tips for improving distance during this time where we might be, not be able to, you know, get a full swing in like right here. I do some shots in this room where I have enough, I can do about a full swing with a uh, eight iron maybe, and I don't hit anything. But if I go anything longer, that's when I start to hit stuff. So I can't do full swings with the driver, obviously. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I guess you don't have a garage. I heat that thing up. <laughs> um, I, yeah. So the, the low hanging fruit on hitting it farther is hitting the center of the face. It's a, that's like without doing anything productive to your body or making changes, um, get some strike spray. I know that super speed golf sells it, mm. or you can go to, you know, it's more expensive, but you can go to, you know, your drugstore and get foot powder spray and just go ahead and spray away. Figure out if you're hitting the center. All right. Let's say you're hitting the center. Then you've got to check your club head speed. And check to see whether or not you are where you are. And, you know, it's helpful if you had a, 
you, you had a professional set of eyes to give you the feedback as to whether you can potentially get more gains on that. Um, I, I'd say most people can gain more speed. Some people really shouldn't be working on speed. And I'm thinking of people that have like major back issues or things, you know, they, they're just happy to be playing golf and they, they want to hit it farther. But it's like, in that case, you might want to just look, get fit for a, a driver that's, that's like optimized for your speeds right now. And there, there definitely some, some, there's technology out there for people that are on the slower speed. Like I know, for instance, Titleist came out with the, um, the, um, the TS1 driver. So the TS1 driver is ultra light. It's designed for people that have slower speeds um, to really get some some ball speed off of the face and 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 maximizing like launch low spin. So anyway, there's stuff like that you can do. All right, now back to the movement itself. I like the super speed sticks. If you can't hit more than eight iron, you're definitely going to hit the ceiling with the super speed sticks. Yeah. <laughs> the super speed golf. Um, I think if you're going to get super speed golf sticks, you definitely want to get the monitor just to measure and, and kind of benchmark where you are. Super speed golf is a, is a six to eight week program. You do it three times, times a week. It's, there's no magic answer. I did it. I did it. I, I went from low eighties to low nineties. It worked. Now it didn't stick because I didn't stick with it. You know, so there's nothing you, you can't just do anything quick and then expect it to stick. It's not like buying a driver where suddenly, okay, now you can hit it farther. No, if you want speed and you're trying to change your body, you have to change, you know, neurologically where your comfort zone is, you know, and you're, and changing something neurologically takes time. It takes repetition. It takes doing it differently, doing it differently. That doesn't mean thinking about doing it differently. It means actually doing it differently. And that's the thing about these super speed sticks is you will do it differently because they're lighter. You know, they are lighter and you don't see the club on the end. So, um, so I think it's a, just, it's like a really cool program that I know works. And I have a lot of people that I work with that are on them. Um, so in other words, you know, if you're, you want to work on speed, swing fast, like swing fast, just get out there and swing fast. Um, the other thing is, and I have to just, I have to say this because it's, it's true, get get yours, um, get yourself in front of a professional that knows what you should be doing. Um, because it's probably the case that you may not be do, doing something right. Like you may be not be maximizing your load with your, with your backswing. You may be, you know, swaying, maybe you have too much lateral sway going forward. You may not be firing your glutes properly. You may not be activating your pelvis. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. You may not be you know, hinging, unhinging at the right time. There's just a lot of stuff that people can do technically to improve their, their, um, speed. Um, and it's, that's that parts you kind of need, you need an expert to take a look and see kind of what are you doing? Yep. I think that's, that's always, always the answer thing you mentioned, you talk about, uh, Instagram, you know, there's so much fear, free information out there and you can get all these tips and stuff like that, but then is it, is it appropriate for you and, and whatnot? And I think, you know, important uh, that I talked with a lot of people, you know, being a physical therapist and a fitness uh, person, you know, if, if, if there are that back issues and whatnot, then, you know, speed training is not, is not where you are. You need to work on mobility and, and, and your fitness level first. Once you have that, then once that's a solid base, then, then getting into that, the speed is, is important. And I always want to share that when I talk speed, because everybody wants to jump into the, the, the speed sticks and, and that's, they work, but we have to, we have to be, uh, make sure that we're doing it at an appropriate time and make sure it's appropriate for people. Awesome. So we've got a couple of wrap up questions before I let you go. 
What's your favorite golf memory? Favorite golf memory? Um, probably playing golf with Bill Murray. Really fun. Cracking jokes He's a great golfer. Great putter. What's that? Is he cracking jokes the whole time? Um, yeah, I mean, he's not, he's not like a slap, you know, yeah. slap happy. He's just incredibly bright and he, um, he finds humor in, in things that you just wouldn't, gosh, his timing is so good. And his delivery is so good. You don't even know that he's doing it unless you're really listening. Um, and, and unless you're, you're kind of tuned in, but it's, it, he's like, he's not like Will Ferrell where it's like kind of goofy, funny. Um, I'm sure. And, and Will, I think is very funny. Will, um, Bill's just, he's like a super intellectual. Mm. Um, so that's, but also a really good golfer. Cool. Very cool. Uh, what's your favorite drill or exercise to improve your personal game? Ooh, I love, I love, love, love um, distance wedges off tight lies. I love those low spinning checkers. I love them. So I, I like to do those um, whenever I can. Like, and the tighter the lie, the better. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, what do you want people to take away from our conversation today? One thing. Oh, hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. You made it this far. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I, I'd love for people to check out my online programs. Um, and if you know someone that's interested in, in playing golf or you're interested in doing some off-season stuff, um, check out check out my programs. So it's, I, I just love it when, especially when women are getting into the game. I mean, I love guys. I love you too, getting in the game, but especially, you know, I love it when other women are in it. So encourage you to share it. Awesome. And where can we uh, find some of your information? I know I mentioned the website earlier today, but go ahead and uh, drop wherever you want. Yeah, my web. My website, um, trilliumrose.com. You can go to the um, online courses. I kind of have some links to that online courses. You could also, there's a link on my Instagram. You can follow on Instagram too. I've got a link in my bio, but you know, I think one of the, one of the big takeaways that, that, um, that I think my students have, and that is anybody can improve. Anybody can get better at golf. You, anybody, um, you know, all it takes is watching some of these, some of these wounded warriors and, and, you know, people, double amputees and people who've, who've really faced some serious setbacks with their bodies and minds have come to the golf course and can perform. So like, you know, that's, that's like, that's the, that's the toughest situation imaginable. Imagine you've got all your appendages and you've got your health, you know, it's you, it's you, like you were the driver of your game. You were the driver, you know, you, you can get over anything. So I, you know, some people say I'm too old to, to learn new tricks. Um, maybe, maybe not depends on what the trick is. So there's a really cool study done on, on, um, actually in the, the title of the study had something to do with old dog learning new tricks. And so they were looking at people's brains and they took, a t- they took groups of 20 year olds and groups of 80 year olds. And they taught them how to juggle, essentially. Nobody knew how to juggle. They taught them how to juggle. And so they did a, um, a fMRI scan in the beginning, an fMRI scan in, in the end, just to see what kind of neurological changes, activity, like cortical activity changes could they see in the brain, you know, gray matter changes, um, it, suggesting that there had been some learning and some, you know, adaptation to the skill. Um, and obviously they can see if someone's juggling or not too. Like they don't need the brain, 
stands right. to see if they're juggling. Um, but they wanted to see if the changes had been made, you know, because there's this old, this old thought that, you know, your brain just gets, you know, less plastic and less, let's able to adapt the older you get. So the, so they want to see how much truth there was to that. Come to find out, guess what? Everybody had the same changes. It just took the eight-year-olds a little longer. So, I share the same you know, thing are, as yeah, are you going to ask, I mean, are you going to ask someone to, to sit on the range for, for four hours a day? Someone who's 75 years old, who's had like, you know, back surgery already. Oh, you're going to need four hours a day to make this change. Probably not. You know, don't, you know, okay, we're not going to make you do that, but, but, you know, provided it's not a crazy, you know, action and hard on your body and not going to take a whole lot of uh, strain, stress, you can, it's possible. Well, guys, we'll have Trillium's information in the show notes below. Uh, That is it for this episode of the Golf Under Power podcast. Thank you so much for coming on, Trillium. And thank you guys for listening. Remember, small, simple consistency leads to greatness. Have a great day. Thanks, Jim. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Hopefully you've enjoyed this content on the go. If you found it helpful, please share with a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. This allows us to reach more golfers just like you that want to play under par. Do you want to be stronger and healthier? Well, I've got a resource for you. Golf Fitness Tips. It's a free Facebook group where we talk about how to take care of our bodies so that we can play more golf, we can play golf longer in life, and we can play better on the course. If that interests you, then check out the link below or search for Golf Fitness Tips on Facebook.